Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello, we're the Kransky Sisters on Joy Joy. 94.9. Hello. And welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. I'm Chris. I'm Gordon. And I'm Phil. But you're not feeling terribly well, I'm, are you? I'm a little bit croaky this week. <laughs> what, you been down the frog hole? No, was it, what, what was the uh, reception held at Brog Myers Hall frog, or something? Frog, Frogmore House. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. I caught the frog. You caught the frog. Okay. <laughs> Bit of a croaky voice. Well, we wish for you that it would have been a prince. If you, the person you kissed turned into a prince, yes. Mm. Well, hang on, how did I end up with the frog? <laughs> I, I kissed the wrong thing somewhere. <laughs> That's for sure. Welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. It's our little history program where we drag up events that have occurred in the past and uh, re-energise them and bring them to the foreground. Although sometimes we also pick very, very current affairs, events, I activities. Are you having a current affair? No, no, no. Um, I'm, we're more like the raisins. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a Phil joke. Mm. Uh. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a sub Phil joke. <laughs> he's not feeling at his sparkly best, sadly. But we're not going to be talking about some royal wedding that occurred last weekend. No. It's been done. To the death. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Instead, we'll be talking about events that we're actually celebrating at this particular point of time. To wit, to woo, it's National Volunteers Week, where we're actually volunteers here at Joy, the majority of us. And Gordon, you're a volunteer at a couple of other events as oh, well, are you I, not? I, I'm, I'm starting to slow down a little. I'm no longer with the AIDS Council, which I was for many, many years. I'm with Vintage Men and I'm with Joy. And I'm in the Arts Society that I belong to. Just a few things to keep me occupied. Oh, fair enough. And Phil, are you volunteer anywhere? I volunteer here at Joy and with Neighbourhood Watch. Part of the distribution chain. I I shove things in letterboxes. You shove things in letterboxes. (laughs) And it's not junk mail because they said so. No, no. a, A valuable contribution to the workings of your suburb. I hope so. Yeah. But it's amazing, uh, Chris, the amount of money that the government save by having volunteers everywhere. It's billions of dollars a year. Of course. And the slogan for this year's National Volunteer Week is give a little, change a lot. Mm. That's exactly the effect because there is no cash component that's got to be paid out to volunteers. Even here at Joy, it's an unknown quantity. It's not valued. It's not a, a, a calculation is never made on the contribution of the volunteers at our little volunteer radio station. 
that's a bit, bit impossible to do that. But, of course, uh, there's so many things that wouldn't be able to continue without the volunteers and the volunteering organisation that you could join or do something with. And it's very easy to volunteer because there is a website you can go to where it says volunteers. Actually, a website that will tell you where they're looking for volunteers in your area, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a good idea. Mm. Well, this particular week, from the 21st to the 27th of May 2018, is an annual celebration to acknowledge the generous contribution of our nation's volunteers. And they're going to be celebrating, if there's little organisations so enthused to do, a self-congratulatory, but there are going to be lots of volunteers having little get-togethers and saying, well done, us. And it's about time we also said well done to the other volunteer groups that we're not part of. There is a warm feeling that you get from contributing on a non-cash basis. Chris, I've always said that you get more out of volunteering than you put in. You really do. Certainly. Well, having come from a paid job on a regular payday, that was one of the things I didn't miss when Mm. I started here at Joy. Oh, I'd never miss payday. (laughs) That was the best day of the week. (laughs) And one of the little things that volunteers its work and does it, though, without very much reward, would you believe, are the little bees that fly around in our gardens. Mm. The 20th of May has been claimed the uh, as by the United Nations, or designated, I should say, as World Bee Day. Yes, make sure you put a little gap between the bee and the day, otherwise somebody might think you're talking about a bee day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, these poor little creatures, they work so hard from sun up to sundown doing their little job and we pay no respect for them until things go wrong. And sadly in our modern world with insecticides and viruses in things that they're now having a a bit of a tough life to fight. And we rely on the bees to pollinate the flowers that produce fruits. But even things like flying bats, those little rodents of the air, Mm-hmm. And, and hummingbirds in some countries, they actually do the pollination. They can pollinate as well as the yeah. bees, yes. Yeah. Well, and, the, the hummingbird has developed for those specific flowers with really long, <coughs> excuse my voice, really long... Trumpets. Yes. Mm. Snouts. And their little and, uh, beak goes all the way in where a bee wouldn't be able to get in there. And they have long, long tongues. And amazing wings. We used to have hummingbirds outside our apartment in California. It's amazing. Oh, the, it's precision flying at its best. <laughs> but they can hover, and the, the wings actually make the sound of the hum. Hence the name. Well, funny about that. But speaking of bees, when I was a little boy and I got in trouble, my mum called me a little bee. Did she? Do you think that was the same animal? Well, or I don't think she... she Abbreviating is longer word. <laughs> I think she was calling you a little basket. Oh, okay. Because I, I didn't get any honey. <laughs> honey is such a, a marvellous product oh, from yeah. the bees and the hive, mm-hmm. and it, it, it seems to be able to be stored very well. Now, I don't know how old the, uh, the honey has been found in some of the Egyptian pyramids. pyramids. And when they've been digging up, they found little things with Files, honey in them. Mm, yeah. Files of honey. Mm. Still 
still edible. And honey, there's very few germs are allowed will grow in honey. Honey is a very good antiseptic. With burns, they found out that if you covered the burns, the terrible victims of burns with honey, no infection infection could occur. Yeah, I don't know whether you may remember this, Chris. Years ago, they had a whole thing about royal jelly. Oh. was supposed to do wonders for your skin and all the rest of it, yes. And um, they used to get the royal jelly and use that as well. But, but the Are we back to kissing princes again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a bit of a, you a bit of royal jelly. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, but, is but that royal jelly or are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is that New Zealand has got a wonderful little flower which the bees visit and... The resulting honey is supposed to have medicinal properties, but I don't know how guaranteed that is. But that's the manuka honey. I think this M is for marketing. But they ah. that is they get you can get different grades of manuka. You can get a one with from like five to fifteen or something or other, and the, yeah. the more numbers that has, the less refined it is. So the more power it's supposed to have or something or other. So instead of SPF, we have. Honey protection factors. Yes, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) But I love my honey, and I always use Monica honey as well. It's good to go on porridge. Wonderful porridge. A little bit of healthy sweetness. And put a couple of uh, cut up a banana on top of that. That's beautiful. Sounds like a a wonderful meal. Now, also at this particular time of the year, I found out from Gay Star News that. Apparently, there are LGBT-friendly countries in Europe, and some are not particularly friendly. I would imagine that the repressive administrations and parliaments Hmm. are the ones that are the unfriendliest, and they're probably east of the old Eastern Bloc countries, and they're probably still in what I'll call the Russian zone Mm -hmm. in Europe. But some of the uh, Southeast Asian countries are not particularly friendly as well. But there's a little island in the middle of the Mediterranean, Mm. what is apparently the most friendly LGBTI country in Europe. And what is it called? Malta, the only island to ever be, be completely given a George Cross. The island of Malta has a George Cross, which wow. was presented during the war for the bit that they did during the war because they were the outpost of a British... Um, it was a naval depot? A naval depot and everything there, and they, they were bombed constantly and all the rest of it. And if you're not aware, Malta is basically a, a lump of rock with a little bit of soil on the top in places, but a lot of what happens in Malta happens underground, mm. or used to happen underground. Mm. They would have they would dig out the rock and create caves underneath, and this was why so much of Malta survived during the bombing of World War Two, uh, that earned them the George Cross. And those caves were dug out for the pirates and the the people that used to plunder the ships in in the in the Mediterranean. Malta scored ninety one percent on the system that they were using, and, and then came Belgium with seventy eight, Norway seventy seven, UK seventy three, and France was seventy two. Mm. But some of the other countries that are actually quite gay friendly were in the middle bracket. Let's call them that. And then there was a whole lot of countries well, then uh, you, that like Monaco, Russia, Turkey, Armenia, and Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan's uh, getting were at the other end of the scale. Yeah. 
You wouldn't want to live in any of those countries if you were a gay, a gay person, I would have thought. Now, also, if you're a Melbourne person, you would probably not realise, but there are lots and lots of Maltese people living here oh, in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, I know a lot of Maltese people. Well, Fabri, Camilleri, Mm. uh, come on, there's a a whole series of names you probably went to school with Mm. uh, or you've seen now on trucks going around the town. And they're part of our community now, uh, of the Melbourne community, and they're just part of our our rainbow community as much as our ordinary Mm. community. They're just a community. Do they drive Falcons? Oh, probably. It'd be Maltese Falcons. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I think you're still sick. I am. It's I'm, the fever dog. Someone who's having a birthday round about this time, however, is Kylie Minogue, born on the 28th of May, 1968. Hi, I'm Kylie Minogue, also known as Kylie from Camberwell, and I'm a proud Joy member, number 285. Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris been there. Done that on Joy 94.9. Phil's got another croaky throat there and I've found my uncroaky voice because I was exercising my voice last weekend. Oh, were you? I had to sing in a choral group and really exercise my throat. Oh. And it's yes, it's, it's, uh, you know it's not squeaky at all. Do you know that's one of the best things you can do is sing in a choir? It's a very healthy thing that's been proven that people that sing in choirs are very, usually very, very healthy. Wow. Yeah, and they um, had a different attitude. You know? Oh, well, I think it's possibly because our, our lungs get exercise and a good exchange of air. I just hope you didn't damage the Great Barrier Reef. Why? He was in a choral group. Oh. Probably <laughs> stepping on it all the time. Yeah. Yes, well, he that... isn't any better yet. <laughs> no, the voice hasn't helped either. <laughs> We've had Volunteer Week and uh, International Bee Day, mm-hmm. 20th of May, and we've now got another particular day coming up on the calendar here in Australia that we really are totally involved with, and that is the 26th of May, which is Sorry Day. To our own Indigenous people. Yeah. It started in 1998 on this particular day, Sorry Day, 26th of May, but originally, way back earlier on, there was a day of mourning back in... 1938. Something like that. Mm. I think you're Mm. correct Mm. there, Gordon. Thank Mm. you. And there have been various opportunities and attempts to uh, recognize and pay respect to the things that we the invaders have committed against the people who were originally here nothing has happened since they first started sorry day they've had uh, in like the 28th of may in 2000 they had Two and a half, two hundred and fifty thousand people walked across the Sydney Harbour Bridge in support of our Indigenous people. You know. and that was a, a real statement of a real support. statement of make. You know, but nothing happened. It didn't come to anything. It didn't come to anything. Did we know? have any celebrations here, or was it always Sydney-based? Well, I, I can remember walking down uh, through the city. Down it was a Sunday. We walked down St Kilda Road to round about the shrine, and then. Uh, they we stopped around down that area somewhere, and they were they were planting the the, the painted hands yeah. in the into the lawn around there. And I can remember doing that. That was I, I can't remember what year it was. I know I was still working at the time, and the uh, teachers from the college decided that they would like to do it, and some of the girls and everything. So we all met 
and we walked in in support of our indigenous brethren, our mm. indigenous people. And it, and then for the whole of the thing, nobody wanted to do anything. John Howard couldn't say sorry. He he would. Well, that was the bringing them home report back in mm. 1997, mm. which recommended the prime minister apologise to the stolen generations. Mm. And as you said, John Howard wasn't up to it. He said he it's not my have, fault. Well, he didn't have the ticker for it. No, no. But uh, then, uh, but then there was a little bit of guilt that brought on the the next year the actual Sorry Day event. Prime Minister John Howard moved a motion of reconciliation. So he actually had changed his mind by then and mm. realised that there was deep and sincere regret that Indigenous Australians suffered injustices under the practices of past generations for the hurt and trauma that many Indigenous peoples continue to feel as a consequence of those practices. And Kim Beasley was the opposition leader at the time and he had a bit of a stir as well. However, it took another 10 years Mm -hmm. until February 08 when Prime Minister Kevin Rudd at that stage moved a motion of apology to the Indigenous Stolen Generation. Mm -hmm. And that was the first order of business uh, on that particular day of Mm -hmm. parliamentary Mm -hmm. sitting. Mm -hmm. And it took three or four attempts for the national guilt to be um, expunged. Uh, well, not, not really. Expunged, mm-hmm. No, because mm-hmm. it, it, it's. I don't think it's anything that you can actually ever no. uh, take away. It's occurred. Right. It's occurred. It's occurred. And, and it's still actually sorry. occurring. And and yeah, and we're still needing to say sorry. But but then again, look at the last thing that they did was the Uluru statement, and the the indigenous people worked so hard to get that statement out of what they felt was the way to go, and they presented it to the parliament, and the prime minister, oh, we're not doing anything about that. You know, well, just... in New Zealand, the Waitangi Agreement paid respect and mm. continued the involvement and acknowledgement of the Maori people. And Phil, it seems like we're just saying sorry, like we don't mean it. Yeah, we're mm. not acting sorry. Mm. Mm. And what does that do? Just buy us a few more years of doing nothing? Oh yeah, but see that they're talking about uh, Victoria. Actually, talking about having a treaty, a Victorian treaty with our average, uh, our Indigenous mm. people of Victoria. So the the Labor government had tried to get a treaty uh, going for the just for the, for the state of Victoria at least, anyhow. Yeah. So that if we get a treaty here, it may grow into a complete National. treaty nationally if we get a government mm. that's got the guts to do it. It just know? seems a little more respectable, doesn't it? It's, it does, yes. Yeah. And, and, and every other country in the British Commonwealth have basically had a treaty with their indigenous um, people. You mm. know, Canada had one. Actually, the Americans did one with the Indians, the Red Indians. Yeah. Uh, and it was just. You know, but I, we just don't want to do anything. I think the social inequality of some members of the Indigenous community is the pee under the mattress, mm. the prickle in the sock. It's going to always be scratching there. We, we until we get more equality mm. in our general community, there'll always be reason to say that we're not going the full yard. Well, it's, I think it's the people that we elect to power, which is the unfortunate part. We have politicians. We have politicians, but not leaders. Yeah. Mm. They're mm. in it for the, the glamour and the money. We've built some very nice places for them to sit down and have their cogitations. Oh, yeah. Parliament houses. <laughs> and on the 9th of May, 1901, the first Australian Parliament opened... And it opened here in Melbourne. An exhibition building. 
did it now? Yes, the exhibition. Were you there at the time? Oh no, I'm not that old. <laughs> but the but the uh, the famous painting by Tom Robbins was the first meeting when the Parliament was opened. When was the expo that the exhibition buildings were built? For? 1896 or something or other. Okay, so we had a big empty building. We had a big empty building. That's it was how the only we got building the big enough to put everybody <laughs> oh, in. Right, when good. the when the king came or the future king came out and did it. So yeah. that was the opening there. Yeah. Now where did they actually hold? The parliamentary meetings. Up at Spring Street, in our Parliament House up here, yeah. That's ah. where the Federal Parliament met for until they could get um, somewhere else to meet and the Victorian Parliament used to meet in another building altogether, another another place altogether. Mm. All right. And then they invented Canberra. Yeah, that's and right. And the new Parliament House was opened there in 1927 on the 9th of May. Yes, well, the 9th oh. of May is the day. Mm. And that date was repeated again when the new... Australian Parliament House in Canberra was uh, opened in 1988. By Queen Elizabeth. Yes, she opened that one, yeah. So there you are. History does repeat itself. That's right. But they built this huge big Parliament House up in Canberra, this new one, and it was supposed to have room for everyone, and now they're saying that they're running out of room. Well, it's certainly not full of public servants. It's all these hired people. Mm -hmm. But anyhow. I think we need a clean out. Oh, do we? Okay. Let's have one. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Joy 94.9. Been there, done that with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Love radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Take us with you anywhere. Bring joy to the world. Listen to us everywhere. Download the Joy smartphone app. Now at joy.org.au. Yes, you are with Gordon, Phil and Chris on Been There, Done That. We've just heard Gordon on a community service announcement talking about all the Queen's men. But you're going to be doing something even more precise in respect of all the Queen's men. Who have we got here in the studio? I'm going to be talking to Tristan Meacham, who is all the Queen's men. Tristan, welcome to Joy 94.9 and Been There, Done That. Thank you so much for having me. Now, what is this thing with the theatre that we've been doing? In partnership with Arts Centre Melbourne... All the Queen's men have launched a new social initiative called Rainbow Reviews. And Rainbow Reviews will be taking place over the next 12 months. Arts Centre Melbourne have generously donated free tickets for LGBTI elders to attend some amazing performances across dance, music and theatre. And the idea is that a group of us will come together every month, see the show and then meet afterwards for a discussion. The hope being that these discussions will turn into a podcast review, giving an opportunity for LGBTI elders to have their say and have a discussion around some of the wonderful themes and ideas that come out of some of the shows that we see together. Right. So so how many have you seen so far? The program started at the beginning of the year and we're in this wonderful time where we're just sort of working out how to meet and and how to actually have these discussions. The first show that we saw at the beginning of the year, I believe you came along to, was Briefs. A wonderful show. A wonderful cabaret show, All Male Review, which um, a wonderful group of circus performers and vaudeville and and cabaret performers, often in their tidy whities so that that was quite wonderful. Well appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, The last show that we did see was a Bell Shakespeare's performance of Antony and Cleopatra, which was, there was great debate and conversation around it. And then yesterday, we had the great opportunity together of seeing a new Australian work called The Bleeding Tree. That was an amazing, amazing play. It it was just so well done with a very limited set. There were actually no set, just a, a, a stage with a little bit of decoration on it and... 
it went from there. It was just the the word and the way it was done was just absolutely superb. It really was a testament to the power of language mm. and also the skill of those three performers. A very, very involved and difficult subject matter that was dealt with in a, in a very powerful way that had both a physical experience in terms of listening to that, but also made you question a, a number of things in terms of protection of community and making sure that you're not complicit to to injustices that are happening. Because it was basically about um, uh, family violence, wasn't it? It certainly which was. was. Which was the basis of the whole story. Absolutely. And the result of the family violence and what happened afterwards. It really, yeah, it was. Yeah. A, a really fantastic play that won the Helpman Award recently, but it was an absolute fantastic conversation that we also then had afterwards. Mm. So mm. We'll, we have a number of performances that are still available. The next show that will be uh, the Australian Ballet's production of Verve. And then we'll finish this suite of works with um, Julius Caesar by Bell Shakespeare after which we hope to then announce a series of another six months of shows so if you are listening to us and you'd like to come along really recommend you check out the All the Queen's Men website or email me directly at atqmreviews at gmail.com and we'll be able to give you some information about the times that we'll be meeting together uh, and also um, creating these wonderful discussions and podcasts. Thank you Tristan for coming in and telling us all about that. It sounds like a great um, thing and I'm looking forward to going to a few more bits and pieces of theatre in the coming six months. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You're listening to Being There Done That on Joy 94.9. That was a great little interview there with Tristan and Phil in the background with his poor coffee hasn't got any better. Mm. Sounds like a wonderful process to be involved in it, with, it really with is. all the Queensmen. It's lovely to have someone who's enthused enough who can volunteer their time to set up these sorts of things for us older people. Can I sort of say that uh, he's only a young man and he enjoys the company of the older people? And he's he's doing so much in the community. It's just amazing, you know. He's a he's a very very bright and bubbly man, you know. Yeah, well, and he's he, he's got rather a nice boyfriend too, I must say. Uh huh. Frankly, he's just whizzed out the door. He had another appointment to go to. Yes. So that's why well, we're not saying that those nice words in front of him here no. at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, let let's get on to a couple of other things here on being there, done that. Did you realise that back in 1864, the first trout eggs were introduced to Australia and they begin hatching on the 4th of May, 1864? Now, why on earth would you introduce trout eggs? Because trout aren't a natural thing in Australia. They're not a that's so, right. And they wanted something to do. And at least they, they weren't like rabbits. <laughs> at least they, what they, they be introducing trout into the streams was a very good idea. It was, but it probably displaced the natural fish oh, that were around. The worst, worst ones were the... It, you know, it, we've got to say sorry day to those original fish. Oh, all right. Sorry to the original fish. But, but <laughs> one of the worst introductions was the carp. When they put the carp in the rivers, that was the end of it. Is trout a good eating fish? Oh, yes. Oh, lovely. Because I don't see it in my fish shop. Beautiful fish. It's a freshwater fish, so it doesn't have any salty taste. No. But it doesn't have the strong fishy taste either. No, no. It's lovely pink flesh, Mm. comes off the bone Mm. beautifully. And there's an art in catching them with fly. What, you've got to take your pants off? Yeah, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to flick the line out so that the, the, the... the fly lands on the top of the, the, water, the water and it looks like an insect so that the trout comes up and grabs it. 
But trout meant a lot to the early settlers here because it became a food source. Perhaps they didn't appreciate uh, the value of the Australian fish that are in the streams. But then again, thank you, because Mm. it meant that there are some humongous fish in the Murray River, which is, I don't think it's got any uh, trout in it. That's the Murray Cod. That they're, is the they're huge. Cod. They're huge fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, they wouldn't fish in a suitcase. No, nope. they might fit across the back seat of your car. Something like but that. But they are bigger than that. Almost mm. as big as a tinny. Mm-hmm. Perhaps fish are a little bit safer than some of the other things that were introduced to oh, Australia. Yeah. Talk about rabbits and deer and goats, camels. Mm-hmm. Is They've it, all got to be controlled. Another, another thing that's been introduced into this country are cats, because there's a whole thing about the feral cats. I don't know whether you saw that on I the television did. recently, about the cat-proof fence they built to try to save the natural fauna of a whole huge area. Quolls yeah. and bilbies. Yeah, yeah and, all those little animals. And there's another little hopping mm. kangaroo-type mm. creature, no mm. bigger than a, a, yeah. a cat. Yeah. But yeah. they are beautiful little ones. They should turn them into pets. Australia has a history of of bringing in animals and pests and sort of things to try to get rid of some other pest, and they become the pest themselves. Okay, well, on that basis, do we uh, classify humans as an introduced species that doesn't respect the climate and the the land? The Simpsons had a solution because they had their flying tree lizards or something, which were released accidentally on purpose into the wild, and they ate all the pigeons, which nobody liked the pigeons, and then the, the tree lizards were taking over, so they got the next level up. I can't remember how many levels there were, but they ended up with lions <laughs> um, roaming the streets of the city. Yeah. But they were eventually going to die off in winter, so the, the problem was solved. <laughs> Golly gosh. Yeah. Well, that is the world we live in, and here are our friends Alcazar singing the same thing here on Joy. Podcasts, where you want them, when you want them. Joy.org.au or your preferred platform. You're with Phil, Chris and Gordon being there, done that on Joy 94.9. We've just had Ida Hobbit Day here in Melbourne uh, last week, but would you believe that in Southeast Asia, one of the countries there is not... Actually, living in a or a lot of the countries there are, are not living in a particularly safe environment. Uh, a lot of their governments are actually cross and cranky with them and not giving them the due respect or allowing uh, development of laws mm. to m- permit them to live in safety. And 
So there's uh, quite a few people who are struggling not only with their own identity but for their place in society. And the, there's a little group that have got a hashtag, Hug Not Hate. And they are spreading the word by social uh, media for people, gay people within a few countries there, that hugging is the way to get around this, to feel wanted and to uh, have a sense of camaraderie. And I, th- I think hugging is one of the nicest things to do. I love a hug. Love a good hug. It's a good way to catch a cold. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's uh, it's it's also uh, it's a it's a lovely way to sort of tell somebody that you appreciate them or yeah. something. You know. Well, these countries where they still criminalise same-sex relationships, those people need some solidarity. Mm. They need support, and if in fact they've got to uh, have support from each other, hugging is the way to do it. There are various lengths of hug that mean something, that have value, have strength. And I think it's the length of the hug that is the strongest. And the the hugs, I think, are sometimes classified on the scale of uh, Mississippi. That's a long hug. A quick little hug on the footy field might be one way of doing it, or just with someone you meet uh, occasionally, just a grasp but a real long hug where you uh, start to relax in the protection of the other person's arms is what's needed chris i read somewhere where a man hug is the count to two all right that's i read that somewhere where man hugs are a count to two i would prefer to go to about four <laughs> i think that and i hope that actually man hugs are actually becoming more uh, permissible in general society. Well, there was an article in one of the weekend magazines that I saw about hugging uh, in teams and how it makes the teams bond better, you know, when they score a goal or something rather than yeah. and the, the others rush up to hug them, you know, and it's, you see it a lot in the uh, soccer and you see it a lot in the football these days where they rush up and hug somebody if they've kicked a goal or something, you know. That's a reward and a part of the solidarity of a team. Mm, mm. Yeah, but where, in fact, you actually haven't established a team, then this is part of the bonding uh, process. Oh, yeah. It is a lot more common, though, to see men hugging, or it seems to be more acceptable in, in the last few years. Mm. Well, I th- I think we have our our immigrants to thank for that because Mm. at one stage uh, men couldn't be seen to actually do anything but now we can put cheek to cheek. Mm. We can even put a kiss on the cheek as long as we do it on both cheeks. Mm. Mm. I remember in an early Olympics the Russian gymnasts were there kissing each other on the lips which caused a lot of comment locally. Germs. Well, not the germs. I think I might become a Russian gymnast. (laughs) (laughs) Touching is a a, a wonderful thing to do for people when you touch people. That's what you've got to remember, though, that when you do hug a person, you do it with their consent. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it becomes a little bit aggro. Well, it's assault. (laughs) Well, in our modern world of freaking out and getting over everything, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So hug your gay friends with their consent, of course. But then 
we're also suggested uh, that uh, you could take your beautiful moment on your uh, smartphone and send it to some of your other friends and so that they can see that hugging is an acceptable way of communicating your affinity without being agronoing, without being offensive. Mm, it, it, it doesn't have to be a sexual connotation to it no. at all. It is just a friendly thing to do to somebody that you know and you see them in the street or something, I'd mm. give them a hug. You know, oh, I mm. haven't seen you for ages. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing or anything. It's just a, a lovely, touching um, thing to do. Because we've found out from our own experiences uh, that our mother's touch when we're a young baby is essential for our growth as much as suckling is. It's a, and, and it's also a bonding too. It's a bonding yeah. process when when a mother touches a baby. And that's why it's good to see nowadays uh, the modern snag dad uh, is, is be carrying the baby on the pouch on the front, mm-hmm. doing these things, bonding a lot f- more physically than ever happened in my generation. I think, I think the only time I felt my father was at the end of a, a closed fist whacked to the head. Mm. <laughs> no wonder I'm strange. Well, well, I was fortunate I never had that happen to me. No, you know, you no. Know, so, yeah. Oh, well, you yeah. <laughs> But it was mum's job to bring up the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Dad was out getting the the money to so you could all live and eat and what have you. Yeah, and mum, yeah, mum I, stayed I, home and looked after you. Yeah, but I'm sure I actually did get a lot of loving from my father because... But it didn't register as much as the whack to the head did. <laughs> yeah, you remember the bigger ones. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, touch does feature greatly in our own lives. People often think that or experience wonderful feelings of safety and of just good feelings when they have a massage. Someone might come and just massage your neck. Hmm. And, and that's good. But then if you want to, you can actually go out and get yourself pleasured with having a proper official massage. If you want to really be naughty, you can have one of those other massages. Oh. But, but, you know, on the footy field, they have massages mm. from qualified masseurs. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why. Because we, we, our bodies are full of knots. And those knots need to be massaged out of our body. Uh, our tensions need to be broken. Mm, I think one of the nicest ways to, when you you see somebody that's having a bit of a difficulty and you just walk up to them and, and put your arm around them, not a hug, but just yeah. your arm around a shoulder and just say, just let them know that you're with them. I think that that's always a, a wonderful thing to do. and it, it makes them feel that they're not alone in whatever they're feeling. It's a it's a wonderful thing, and we we actually do have our pets that can be part of our hmm. touching network. Does your little Eddie like being touched by you? He does. He'll come up at least once a day, and just it's very subtle. He just back up, <laughs> just rub my back. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> and that that'll end up. Um, I think the command is plop, yeah. and he rolls on one side, and you you give him a good old back rub. Hmm. And you can see the ecstatic responses like, oh, my God, it's great to be a dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that with almost any animal. Oh, yes. And, and babies as well, human babies, they love a little bit of a massage also. Hmm. It's Make a, sure you know the parents, though. Oh, definitely. Don't just definitely. walk up randomly. No, no, no. no. Well, I'm 
talking about your own generations, you probably experienced that with one of your siblings, I would have imagined. Uh, but uh, not everybody gets that experience. And I notice a lot of the young brothers that we see up at the dog park, they're not exactly hugging. You'd, you'd call it wrestling, and it's really quite... <laughs> I don't want to use the word violent, but it's contact between two siblings. Yeah. yeah. And they seem to enjoy it. Oh, it's, it's, None it's, the worse for it. Typically... <laughs> Not always. It's probably a power struggle, actually, between the younger and the older. Oh, yeah. Once the younger gets to the point where he thinks he can challenge, yeah, he'll well, get in there. It's the same with all, all the male parts of the animal world. The, oh, that's the, true. You have the young going in to try to take over from the well, older. As humans, we generally don't go to the death. We don't though. go to the death. We don't fight to the death for yes. it. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Touching, to me, is one of the wonders of being a human being, you know, just to touch. But I like petting cats and dogs i just think it's lovely because they seem to get a great deal out of it oh you, you get instant feedback yeah because yeah. the body language yeah yeah and we've got a cat downstairs at the moment who wants to hump my puppy dog and he's not too keen on that <laughs> idea i was out for lunch the other day and there's a cat in the household that used to be very very insular you know wouldn't come anywhere near yeah. you but now whenever i walk through the door oh it jumps up on my lap and it pushes itself into me and wants to be petted and hugged and all the rest of it figured you out just, didn't it just to the just the amazement of it, the dog the, the cat's owner you know? <laughs> she says god lucy never did that before you know no, there you go yeah. she feels safe in your environment yeah, yeah. that's good all right, then, it's about the end of the show for us this week. Thanks very much for being with us. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.